Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. It's Sir Hogan, Mike Mahler. What's going on, brother? I'm doing good, man. We've got another good week here of guests to round out January, and then we've got just blasting through in February. So we're going we're going really strong in these first three months of the year, which is one thing I always tell people: crush it the first three months of the year, and you build up so much momentum to keep pushing forward all the way through. But if you blow it in those three months, first three months of the year, then you're playing catch up, and then catch before up, you know, yeah. the year is over. I mean, this month is almost over. This year, I know it's started. crazy. Yeah, the year just started, and now January is going to be over in a few days. And believe me, the next 10, 11 months are going to go fast too. I think this is why a lot of people's years get ahead of them. They they, they just lose that traction, and then they wonder what happened. Yeah, I think one of the year come and gone. I think one of the issues is people start working from that very day, whatever day it is, they decide they want to start thinking about what they're going to be doing instead of working from the end backwards. So instead right, of going right. from like December of 2014 and working your way back, I think that's where they kind of mess up by not doing that. So, yeah. and, and next thing you know, right. the year is caught them by surprise and like, bye-bye, it's 2015, bitch. I just watched Breaking exactly. Bad, so now I got, I got Jesse syndrome, now everything's bitch. <laughs> that, that's a good segue for our guest. We've got Kent Pompa on today, and I worked with Kent in Australia last year. He was a very gracious host for some courses I did in Sydney. And one thing that struck me about Kent also is that he's a very sharp businessman. And you don't meet a lot of people in our line of work, the fitness business, who really understand the business side of things extremely well. And as Kent explained his business model to me and how he franchises out his boot camps and gets a lot of trainers plugged in all over Australia and even other parts of the world, I realized he would be a great guest to get on our show. Kent, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, good boys. How are you? Good, man. Good, man. Good Pleasure to have you. Have you in the, yeah, I think I think we can start the conversation with some interesting stuff that we talked about when I was out there last year, and you made a really astute point about how a lot of trainers are so busy training people, working, just working, that they don't have any time to really build their business, and then if you don't build the business side of things, your branding, et cetera, then you just end up spinning your wheels, and then you're stuck just being a trainer, maybe doing private lessons just for yeah. indefinitely. Yeah, so well, what are, yeah, what are some of the strategies you use to position yourself better than that? Well, I guess most, you know, evolution for most trainers, Mike, you know, like right. we're in the business for, for swapping time for money, you know, and eventually when right. you're a busy trainer, you just run out of time. And unfortunately for a busy trainer, when, if they're just stuck training people all the time, when do they have time to do their business? And, you know, a busy trainer to me isn't really busy anyway, you know, like... A, yeah, if, you're, if you're not careful, you end up trading your time for money in another context. So yeah, it's, really, yeah. it's really important to, to, to build yeah, your budget. <laughs> and, you know, and, and good PTs have a lot of downtime, mate. You know, So a lot of the time right. they do literally have time, but you know, most of the time they're either training themselves and you, know, you find most good trainers probably compete or, you know, or bodybuilders or you know, there's sort of a trend in our industry. So... But we just find their business skills lack because of the time management side of things and they just run out of time and I guess the ones that get to that point of, shit, how do I make more money, they just start going into things like, you know, group training, um, running courses, um, opening their own spot, you know, and, and then learn, oh, shit, I've got to create a membership model for myself because, A, I need to create more streams of income, I need passive income. And a lot of them, you know, forget, you know, We've got to pay our own super, we've got to set up our own retirement and, 
you know, a lot of trainers just don't even plan for that stuff and end up uh, leaving the industry, uh, you know, by the time they're 30. Right, right. right. How did you get into this whole thing? What's, when did you get into the fitness business and how did you get started and evolve to where you're at right now? I, I guess... Um, I guess, you know, when you've been, uh, I've been in and out of like semi-professional and professional sports and working with athletes for a long time. Um, I sort of come from, uh, you know, um, a sporting background, but also a high security background and that as well. I worked a fair bit of security in my time and just different types of stuff. But I come from, obviously, from a, a country background where, uh, you know, living on the land and, and working hard every day was a sun-up to sun-down thing. So, you know, working in the gym to me is uh, like walking around the park and standing on my head compared to, uh, you know, slaving out to fencing and farming and chipping away for, you know, 400 bucks a week working 100 hours, you know. So, you know, working in the gym and aircon, helping people isn't exactly hard work to me. So, <laughs> so um, you know, if you, if you bring that same sort of work ethic into anything, you know, it's not really hard to be successful if you know, have a good work ethic, you know. So I think um, that's one thing about the world, you know, if you just work harder than the next guy, you're always going to get ahead. So right. uh, just bring that same work ethic into the gym and, um, yeah, and that's um, I just was one of those good trainers and um, I surrounded myself with some pretty good guys when I first started, but um, when I first started, um, I, I was working with commercial gyms and had a couple of really good mentors and stuff like that. And obviously, like all of us, we learn from our mistakes and good businessmen are fairly fairly ruthless. And, um, you know, you end up working and making them making them money and never making any for yourself. So, um, you know, I just learnt and I guess sometimes I learnt the hard way. And, and then from that, I just learnt I needed to create something for myself. So... Um, eventually, I started working for Boot Camps Australia. Um, it was founded by a guy, Corey Gibson, um, very sharp athlete, um, very smart, very business savvy, um, and he had a solid partner that was a, a property investor. Um, he's still part of the thing, Brian Kokarts, and um, very, very smart guy. Um, probably still has his first dollar, I reckon. Um, but um, surrounded myself with um, good businessmen and good good guys with um, strong acumen in work ethic and I sort of learnt shit I'm not going to just be able to be a good trainer to survive long term in this industry and I just started seeing other colleagues just fall out constantly out of the industry and you know really good trainers too just last 12 months 24 months and they're gone and back working jobs or um, yeah so I just didn't want to be that guy and the, the model that they had eventually originally with um, boot camps Australia was just a hardcore military, you know, four weeks smash out. If you, you survive, you're doing them well, you know, type of model. Yeah, sort of. Um, from there, I, I just saw the potential that it had, and I changed the whole model. So, started. Um, I ended up um, becoming a shareholder, and then eventually, I um, just bought the company up and changed the whole system. So. So from there, just created streams of income, different programs, different products, and um, started working smarter. Um, I haven't stopped working harder. Uh, I don't think I think that's probably the the dumb thing that I've done. But um, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you know, for me, it's about creating that passive income. So by the time I'm 35, 36, that you know, I'm not going to be doing you know four hours a day, let alone the you know hundred that I do each week anyway. So. Right. But, um, you know, it's about creating that comfort and, you know, having a goal at the end and just keep working until you hit it, I guess. So and I guess a lot of people don't really have a, 
have a really strong goal that they want to achieve. So, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much where I come from anyway. So I just work my way from the bottle bottom with a dollar in my pocket, and now I've probably still got that dollar in my pocket. <laughs> Now, here's the question, Ken. Now, there are people listening to you right now, and there are some who just, they're working for other people, and you kind of went beyond that and said, look, I'm going to, I'm putting in a lot of work and a lot of sweat with this company. Somehow, you got to make me a partner, and you got in as a partner and then eventually bought the business yourself. So, that's yeah. pretty ballsy to a lot of folks, especially here in the right. state who are like right. working for it, they're probably in 24-hour fitness or one of the big box gyms. And trust me, they're probably miserable if they're really caring about being in this industry. And they're probably trying to figure a way to not become the dude that ends up quitting and going to another industry and, and just getting the so-called regular job again. So my yeah. thing is, Kent, how is it that, how do you help your coaches and, and keep them in that same aspect as with you where they kind of like feel like they have a piece of the business or how you build that loyalty with those coaches and build them up so they won't end up feeling as frustrated as you did in the very beginning? Yeah, I guess um, with me, with my model, it's one of the, the smartest things I did. I sort of created a hub model for myself and with my guys and, and, and stuff, my good trainers, rather than losing them to become my competition one day, you know, I created my model and, and this started for me, you know, I started being able to set these guys up in the next suburb and, and stuff like that so that they could create themselves their own membership model and, and stuff like that but then still work out of my own gym and my own studios without having to fork out, you know, 200 grand or 100k or whatever to get themselves set up. You know, I guess it just depends on your mindset. You know, a lot of these guys pay, you know, 250, 350 bucks a week rent or whatever to work out of a commercial gym. But if you went in with the mindset of, hey, I pay 350 bucks and I actually own this commercial gym, I pay 350 bucks and I actually own this commercial gym, you can still create the same model. You can still create a team of trainers under yourself and create a passive income. But, you know, at the same time, you've just got to be sales savvy and, you know, you've got to drive members, you know, and you've got to feed them work and you've got to, you know, obviously create your business and, and make it stable. And, you know, a lot of people sort of, they get frustrated with me. My frustration didn't make me work less or despise, you know, my, my boss because I he's making all the money. It drove me to make me you know, not replaceable because, you know, at one stage I did step away from the company and, you know, every 12 months I was doubling their business, you know. So when I left, you know, what do you think happened? You know, they, they couldn't replace me because I worked in that company like it was my own, you know. So I became replaceable and so, you know, they wanted me back and they offered me shares and, you know, from there that gave me the momentum to come back stronger and, and realise you know, what, what is it that I was doing or the perception of what I had that made the company grow so fast and, and, and was just my passion around it. And when you're passionate about things, you sort of drive the same type of trainers and the same type of people around yourselves. And, you know, I, I just had a dream and I sold it well, you know. So, you know, my dream wasn't just me being successful. It was creating successful people, a successful team, and set them up under the same model and not lose them but set up a model that was affordable for these guys to make money, you know, like, you know, my model is really affordable. It's like $421 a month to just like small setup and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a flat fee. I don't charge extra for education. You know, I, I, my ongoing training's free. They get a website. 
custom Facebook, custom marketing, I've got an in-house graphic designer, I've got programs, products, you know, you name it, there's not much that I don't have that these guys can just plug in, way they go with their business and they can spend time running their business, not working on their business and right. without putting, you know, like over three years, you know, it's probably under 15, maybe 16K that someone would give me to be a part of my business model. You know, and if they were good enough and smart enough, they should be making well over the average PT could be making, you know, gone from 30k to 50k a year to making 150k a year. And when you go from making 150k, you know, life changes. You know, right. um, you start investing and you know maybe buy a house and start getting into property and you know. So for me, it's about creating, you know, a stable income for this industry and and not just you know about me being wealthy because you know wealth you know, what you share as well. So, you know, if you can create successful people, it, I think it makes you even more successful rather than just, you know, sitting back and me getting rich. You know, I'd rather have rich friends rather than me be rich and my friends, buddy, bleed me dry. Right, right. <laughs> you, don't have any, you don't have anyone to hang out with because no one yeah. can do anything. Well, hey, you guys want to go on this vacation? No, nah, can't afford it. Want to go to this show? <laughs> nope, can't afford it. <laughs> you got, you got to help other people become successful so you're not alone every weekend. Yeah. yeah. No, Kid, uh, one thing I like about your program is you actually you actually give someone a pathway so they can actually get into something and create success, as you mentioned. And I think that's one of the problems with a lot of certifications in general is that there's a lot of great courses, but what do you do after it's over? There isn't really that support system in right. place to give you that avenue. And then it, so it basically becomes you actually, you actually have to have that business savvy going in so you see the opportunities on your own, you create it, and so forth. But most people are going to be casualties, like you mentioned, from that. They're going to come out of a course like that, old guns blazing, they're ready to take charge, and then they realize what an uphill battle it's going to be, and after a year or two, they just lose that traction and fall off. What, what do you think a lot of certifications should be doing to get more people successful so they retain people for a longer period? Um, so obviously with certifications, you know, like everyone sort of uses it to, you know, inject cash and share their knowledge and stuff like that, which is great. But what about for the students that, you know, do these certifications, you know, how do they turn that into money? It's like, I've got this piece of paper, you know, awesome, I'm awesome, but no one knows I'm awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they're stuck, stuck in the same problem again, like, um, you know, because I've seen, you know, Loads of personal trainers that have all these, you know, certifications and these pieces of papers, and right. I wouldn't pay ten dollars, you know. So, yeah. you know, but then you've got ones that do have these certifications that are bloody awesome, and you don't know where to find them because they're one of those good trainers that wouldn't even know how to promote themselves. And right. I think a lot of providers and stuff, you know, need to learn that you know these people are paying for their knowledge and their and their expertise, and you know, want to become an expert too, and. Obviously, yeah, we can't, you know, like we're not always going to be able to be the next Mike Mauler or, you know, next 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 Steve Cotter or next, you know, Olympic world champ or whatever. But, you know, we still want to be known to, you know, at least know the credentials to be a good coach and, and drive income from it. So, you know, it's um, important that I guess providers start, you know, being able to show, you know, where to find these guys or you know, devise products or programs or even just simple marketing by, you know, location finders on their websites or just really simple stuff that just, you know, they're not spending the money to, to drive their business. And, you know, all these people that come do your course, they become a membership model and, 
as well. So you can drive parts, you know, something that you do well, you know, Mike, as, you know, the people that you bring through your courses, you know, you're always keeping us up to date and, you know, sending us stuff or, you know, um, putting up free tutorials or whatever, you know, that's keeping in contact. And, you know, I think with these courses and stuff, there's just a lot of them that's just no human contact, you know, right. so... How do you keep a, a consumer coming back? You know, once they do the certification, what next? Yeah. And um, you know, like for you, once you, you know, once for for all of us, once we, you know, kill our market, and then finally, eventually, you will, or eventually, there'll be other guys providing the same thing. Well, what's the next product? You know, and if consumers all fall off, well, you know, then you've got to remarket yourself and remarket the new product or whatever. And if you kept in contact with those people and kept them loyal and stuff like that, you've already got a great business model. And, and it's like anything, you know, your database to me is worth more than, you know, than anything. So, you know, that's how we drive um, any, any membership model in any gym will drive from devising new contacts and keeping in contact with people. So, you know, that's uh, the successful key to any businessman that's in sales anyway is keeping the consumer there and, and connecting to new people. If we stop connecting to new people, we stop being able to grow. So, you know, if you're selling to the same people all the time and selling the same shit, they're eventually just going to switch off. Right. And um, a lot of people are just switching off now because there's so many products and just so much crap out there to buy that... Um, the consumer's just overwhelmed all the time and it's hard to devise what's good and what's not. Uh, right. Yeah. Now, here's the question. Um, Kent, like, I've had fit camps in the past before and I moved more to a small group training model and I've noticed from your, your boot camps, you know, you have quite a few members. How do you maintain member integrity with a larger group, especially, and how do you drive that home with your coaches as well when they have big classes and they have more than, say, 10, 20 people in there, if that is the case? How do you maintain that integrity for that client that's a part of that yeah. class as well? Because it can become a hot mess if you're not too careful. Like I see a lot of the boot camps here in America, and that's probably one of the, re it's one of the main reasons why when Mike and I were giving our predictions for 2014, I predicted that boot camps, would, would, they would die here in America big time because most okay. of the folks here are not doing it right. They're, they're on this Groupon model. They're all about trying to get about 60, 70 people in there all in that first week, get their money, and then two weeks later, they, got, they have five people in the class because they all bought the deal and it's over with. People yeah. are getting hurt. And, you know, and I, I have people coming to, yeah. come to me constantly talking about how they get hurt from these boot camps, and they were like, wow, this yeah. is so much different, this small group training. So how do you maintain that member integrity? Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it's the ongoing education that I provide to my guys is my biggest thing. You know, I, like repetition is the mother of all skill. And, you know, Boot Camps Australia, we've got this, like, we've got this model, you know, we just never let our teammates behind. And, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, like, I get frustrated like anyone that has a, probably has a, is a franchisor or, you know, has, you know, change and stuff, you know, it's really hard to keep the integrity of your business when you have people that aren't as passionate and, you know, like, sometimes you sort of, you know, question your own, your own guys and their own morals right. and stuff that and you know a lot of business owners once they become business owners you know don't stay fit you know as well so you know for me like you know I'm 30 33 and you know I train nearly two three times a day plus run you know two gyms and you know keep all my locations going do all the marketing all the you know so my day is just a full day you know like I don't just I don't have any downtime my day is full and the only time my downtime is when I train or slip a feed in so 
you know, these guys that are out there doing this stuff. And we, we've had the same problem here too. And I, I've got guys popping up in my park every week, but at the same time, we're still here, we're still growing. And, you know, we keep a model of, you know, one trainer per 15 people. Um, so the more people we have, the more more trainers I have. Where you see most of these guys, the more people they have, the less trainers they have because they're trying to make bang for their buck and their quality right. just falls to shit. And they're not running good structured camps anyway. They don't understand programming. They don't understand regression, pregression. A lot of them are still running four-week blocks. Like, I stopped that nearly, no, what, stopped four-week blocks about 2006, mm-hmm. you know, because, A, you've got to constantly sell, you've got to resell, and you're not keeping the person there and keeping bums on seats. So I changed my programming like personal training. Um, regression, pregression, we teach our guys about catering for everybody so you know we have different fitness level groups in house and we teach the guys how to work with older adults and then I started devising different programs in that as well so I've got steady steps for older adults so we pretty much do a mobility um, class you know go out to old people's homes and you know do musical chairs you know get them moving right. so, and we've got boot camps for kids so we're targeting for kids from 5 to 12 Boot camp for youth, we go out to schools and we're working with teenagers, just getting them moving. Um, you know, we've got only girl product programs, so we've got boot camp babes, so for female only, for, you know, the market of, you know, ladies that just want to train on their own, because obviously we've had other competitors pop up and, you know, they, they're driving, you know, a lot of women do just fitness and that now, and it's a big part of the, big part of the chunk, and so we have to devise and, and just, obviously mould into the industry and how it changes all the time. So, you know, my boot camp, it might be Boot Camps Australia or Boot Camps International, but we've got so many banners and so many sort of programs that are just like another stream of income. So we teach our guys to use their strengths because um, not every trainer is going to be a good, you know, like I work with strength and conditioning and I train a lot of football teams and stuff like that. But, you know, I've got Mary Jo from down the road and, you know, she's more looking to work with kids and older adults. I can still sell her my model and she can work with the people that she's going to suit. So, you know, a lot of the times when people buy into franchises, it's like, right, this is all you can do. You have to do it my way. Um, and you can't be a PT, you know, like it sort of takes, you know, the point of you being a personal trainer is to be able to cater for people and get them results. So I just made my, my, my business model about results and about catering for everybody, you know, um, and I've even seen, you know, the military guys and, you know, all these guys with different types of things, you know, their, their fault is that they've only got one stream of income, you know, they're not catering for everyone and then I see them, you know, changing their model anyway to, to compete, you know, and then uh, eventually it's too late, you know. So, you know, for me, I, I just add another program and it's another stream of income. So, you know, it's like anything. I've got five things going and if one dies, I've still got four running and I can start another one and just, you know, create a, a comfortable model where, if, you know, one stream dies, I've at least created something else. So for me, that's, that's my biggest thing is setting up programs for my guys. And a lot of these programs doesn't even have to change, you know, regressing and progressing people and exercise. A squat's still a squat. You know, push-up's still a push-up. Not much has changed, just commercialisation of everything. And, you know, it just doesn't, um, yeah. So I don't really think much has changed in fitness at all. It's just about, you know, making trainers better and aware that the people in front of them shouldn't just be tortured all the time and injured or whatever. So, right, right. 
Yeah, we've got it. We all know we have to train hard to get results. If anyone told you that it's fucking just taking it easy and sitting on the park and you're going to look sexy <laughs> and be skinny and be massive, you know, you're dreaming, you know? <laughs> but, you sitting know, down, you'll be massive in another way if you're just sitting down doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be acid, if anything, instead of massive. <laughs> I like that one, acid. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing and that, you know, a lot of the times it's pissing in people's pocket, you know? You know, be sexy in 12 weeks, and then they come <laughs> and see you kind of walk, suck shakes, and be beautiful in 12 weeks, and then they find out, you know, you know, it's about hard work and consistency, and and you know, repetition, and you know, you know general health, and and that as well. So, yeah, that's that's the one main thing that I created in my program that. Um, a lot of trainers just don't think about, you know, like, and a lot of good trainers know that, you know, that people stay with them, you know. Some of my clients, even from when I first started, still keep in contact me, with me from 2000 and shit, when I kick off, 2004, I think I started in the industry, and I still have people connecting with me and ask me for programs and nutrition and, and stuff like that. So I even have a client over, and uh, one of my first trainers that started with me, you know, still gets me to write programs for her clients over in Ireland. She was in Ireland now or something and I'm still writing programs for her and, you know, so I, I guess, you know, it's just about, yeah, just making these guys more aware of, you know, what they actually want to do and what they're doing because if you're going to have a niche, you have to be the best, you know, to to have a niche and make money from it and just, you know, you know if you want to be the best successful Crossfitter, you've got to be the best. You know, if you want to be the best Olympic lifting coach and you know, best Olympic lifter in the world, you've got to be the best. You know, like your reputation and and you know, and results as well. So you know, that's all well and good if you can create that niche. But one day, if people stop doing that in fitness, you know, so if you look at the evolution of CrossFit coming into the industry, gymnasium, um, you know, gymnastic centres have finally got people back in them. Weightlifting clubs and coaches finally are making money. Like, they never used to make money. We used to just do it and, you know, we never used to make any money from it. So, you know, in, um, you know, even kettlebells and that's sort of come mainstream and that now because we have to, you know, people have to use them in the comps and stuff. So, right. you know, commercialization can, and, you know, can help things and really help drive money for it. But then it can also destroy it by the quality and stuff as well. And right. you know, that's where these good coaches and stuff, you know, they need to be, more business savvy and, and learn this stuff about marketing and how to be seen because, you know, um, you know, one good guy could be great at marketing, create a YouTube video, get, you know, 20 million hits and he's a nobody and the next minute everyone knows him and thinks, thinks he's a professional where, you know, um, someone like yourself, Mike, or, you know, myself, you know, for boot camps or whatever, if, if we're not seen or we're not found, we're, you know, what, what's going to drive our business if people don't know what our vision is or, you know, how to find us. So, right. and that's the simple stuff about marketing that people don't understand. Anyone can come famous now because of, you know, Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or whatever. So, you know, if people think, you know, it's not a big part of marketing now, they're, you know, they're an idiot. So, right. right. You bring up a good point about you have to have a niche and be the best in that. And I think, I think the mistake a lot of trainers make is they just become someone who teaches someone else's stuff. So they'll say, I'm a check practitioner, so come to me to learn this. Or I'm an RKC, come to me to learn this. And it's like, okay, well, what are you teaching that distinguishes you from everyone else in your area or anyone else? That's just in your world. 
I mean, you, you have, have to have, have yeah, 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 exactly. You have to have your own system, your own style of doing stuff where people are going, I like that. I want to learn that as opposed to someone who is just generic. Yeah. Generic, so, is, right. generic is the kiss of death. I think trainers <laughs> that are just really generic, generic businesses, generic message, you know, generic website. <laughs> generic personality, you know. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> They got and the pol- polo shirt on, polo shirt on, and the sweatpants, polo shirt tucked in. It's like, <laughs> dude, are, are you going to train me or are you going to sell me some auto parts? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that's, you know, and, that's, and that's true, you know, because a lot of these guys don't know how to do it, and they're paying other people to do it, and these other people are, you know, are trying to tell them how to sell their dream, and, you know, and, and, you know okay, we're going to give you a cheap-ass WordPress website, and not going to have any functionality to it or, you know, and stuff like that. Like, I just spent, you know, I think it cost me nearly 13k just for my new website and stuff like that. And, you know, it's got a massive back end where I can load videos and tutorials and have instant uploads for my guys. So I've gone full paperless, you know. So, right. you know, anything that I create or any workshops that I do, I can just upload it straight in the back end and, you know, everyone's got it instantly where... Before, I couldn't replicate myself. I had to fly around Australia. You know, I was in the air nearly every week and felt like I was killing myself and yeah. you know, I wasn't getting much family time or, you know, and I was just constantly working and then trying to do all the business stuff on the back end of it to keep creating it. I, I had to find a better way to do it. And, you know, with the way technology is today, it's just, you know, it's fantastic. It can make your life so much easier if you just take the time to keep up with it, you know, like... And, um, you know, even my own guys, you know, I have to press them to, you know, upload their own tutorials or their own, you know, videos, you know, set up their own YouTube page, you know, and link it to your sites and, you know, uh, make sure you're tagging things and make sure you're actually writing good paragraphs so that SEOs pick it up and, you know, just real simple stuff that just, you know, the average person just doesn't understand or don't know because they don't surround themselves with professionals and, you know, I'm constantly surrounding myself with the best and the best coaches and, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be the best athlete or whatever, but I've got a good understanding of what works, what works for my clients, you know, because I learn from everyone and I let my confidence ride me and not my ego. Um, you know, you've still got to be confident if you want to be successful, but I just don't let my ego overshadow me, you know, because if someone else is better than me and someone knows everything that I know and what they know, well, they automatically know more than what I do anyway. So, you know, I'm not here to dictate, you know, people's success. I'm here just to be successful and, you know, just let other people make I think the mistake a lot of people with that egotistical nature is that they tend to want advice that they already know. Right, because it makes them feel better. It's like, yeah, that guy told me to do this. I'm already doing that, so I'm so I'm so clever. And then you you have to you start you have to start surrounding yourself with people that are very good at stuff that you're not that good at. And then hopefully you fill in some gaps for them as well. Right. And then it becomes this symbiotic relationship as opposed to you just have a bunch of people where you're just fluffing each other. You know, I mean, yeah. you're not getting anything <laughs> useful out of that. They're I mean, on the back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last thing, the last thing you want to do is be the smartest dude in the room all the freaking time. If you're the smartest dude in the room, you need to, you need to leave that room and go to another one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, and that's, and that's the thing, you know, like, you know, um, and I guess the hardest thing is in our industry is, you know, being able to collaborate with people that have that same perception and not have to worry about, you know, 
turning your back and, you know, next minute you've lost all your money or, you know, you're pulling daggers right, out. Right, right. Yeah. And then that's the fickle part of all business. It's not just yeah. our industry, but, you know, um, you know, people don't seem to share success too well. Um, you become a big target and stuff like that. But well, what, I, what I find is kind of funny is that people, people I, I find some people like others to be successful, but not more successful than them. In other words, they're going, yeah, I want to help you out with this. And all of a sudden, that person starts passing you, and you're like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> I, think, I think that's when you really know whether you want someone to be successful or not. Do you mind if they go on to be way more successful than you, or is that going to make you resentful and bitter and so forth? And I think, I think a lot of people would be surprised with that because I've seen that happen quite a bit where you pass someone by, and all of a sudden, you're a person non grata now. And I, and I think the biggest thing is is that competition should – breed innovation, right. you know, like if, if, if someone's going to see that you're being successful, of course they're going to copy your shit, you know, like, come on, if he's making money from it, well, why shouldn't right. I do it? I've got the facility, I've got the trainers, I can do that, you know, and our industry's been doing that for years, you know, like if you look at the fitness industry, it's pretty much what, we're controlled by gym, uh, you know, commercial gyms, magazines and equipment companies and supplement companies, really. Right, like, right, right, definitely. They, they, they pretty much dictate everything that happens in every movement that has, you know. You know, the rest of the time it's still bums on seats, you know, and, and <laughs> there has been a been a shift, but commercial gyms still have the members, you know. They're still pumping 2,000, 3,000 people, you know, and, you know, and if you've seen, you know, all they've done is adjust their model pretty much the same as what I've been doing to combat them with PTs and, and keep PTs in the industry and, you know, like with my model, I adjusted it to be like that, you know, three, four years ago when I bought the whole company up. And now I see commercial gyms having to do what I've already done. You know, they're putting... I think, I think it brings up a good point, though. You bring up a good point in the sense that somebody could, like, for example, there's a gym in my neighborhood that I go to a couple times a week just to get out of the house, get away from my home gym. It costs $12 a month, right? It's cheap. And it's a very basic gym. But how do, you, how do you compete with a place where it's 12 bucks a month? Because the average person is always going to look at you know, the lowest common denominator. So they're going to say, why should I pay maybe $100 a month or more or go to these personalized courses when I can just go around the corner and spend 10 bucks to go to the local gym in town? The, pro- the, problem, the, problem is, the problem is, though, Mike, if you're paying 12 bucks a month, you know, how many members does that guy have to drive into his gym, though, to stay open? Yeah, so, well, I mean, their running, goal, their you know, goal so. is to get, they want to get as many people signed up and as few people coming is the only right. way that business model is going to work because if, if, if you're only charging $12 above, you need thousands of people that never show up ever. And when you charge that low, I, with, think, with I that, think there's going to be a lot of people who say, okay, 10 bucks a month, I'm definitely going to go. And then they see it on their credit card statement each month, but it's not worth the hassle of calling up and canceling because they still think, ah, you know, maybe I'll go next week or maybe I'll go next month. And so so I think that's what they're betting on because I I agree. I I wonder the same thing. How do you stay in business? I've got the same same problem here in Australia. You know, we're getting flooded by 24-hour gyms, these box models that are set up for businessmen driving business. Right. You know, and they're saturating the whole market. They're price warring. You know, yeah. paying six ninety five a week. You know, and you know, I just just not gonna you know lower my brand or you know what I do and what I deliver to get in a price war with these guys. And I just focus on what we do and 
you know, I focus on results where I know that a commercial gym is never going to be results focused. It's always going to be numbers focused. So, you know, I have to be creative with my marketing and my branding and I have to, you know, be strong and align myself with good quality brands and, you know, powerful other companies that are out there doing good stuff and, you know, that aren't you know, focused on that type of thing as well. So, you know, and I've got really good alliances here in Australia and that's where I've been lucky because I know a lot of people and, you know, it's not just about me being successful but I help other brands and, you know, you know, offer offer assistance and help with their marketing and do co-branding marketing and different things so that, you know, that we're getting out there and reaching a larger audience than, you know, my average Joe provider that comes and starts in the park beside me and stuff like that. And, you know, I was an outdoor boot, you know, we were started as an outdoor boot camp, you know, 2005, um, you know, and now we have, my boot camps run out of studios, fight centres, outdoors. I've had, you know, five or six guys build up their outdoor camps and go into studios this last past year, you know, and we're running out of a 1,200 square metre facility here at Haberfield in Sydney, you know, so, you know, you know, not, not many average boot camps are, are rocking, you know, five, six hundred or seven hundred members. You know, they're still outdoors in a park rocking 20, maybe 30. You know, a really good one, maybe a hundred. You know, where, you know, for me, like, you know, I've taught these guys, well, yeah, you start as a boot camp, becomes a membership model. Membership model drives income and cash flow and then cash flow creates whatever you want. So, you know, once you've got cash flow, you know, banks will lend to you. You can get a studio and create more cash flow. At least you've already got a membership base to take into your studio with you. And that's where a lot of PT studios and that fail because they're swapping time for money still in their PTs, their membership base, but they're still not driving a, a membership model in there. So the outdoor stuff, you know, the people don't crowd the gym, they're outdoors. You know, and you're driving just as many members outdoors as what you would, so you don't even need them in your studio, and you feed them into your PT business and feed them to your trainers, and then you're making passive income. You know, so realistically, you know, I guess it's just it's just simple stuff, but you know, people just don't think that way. So it's about changing that thought process of the average trainer, I guess, as well. So, right. With staying in that unique lane, you know, what are, you've you've incorporated kettlebells into your regimen? How how much of an impact have kettlebells made in Australia? Is it something that's fairly well known out there, or is it has it hit a growth phase, or is it something that's just emerging? It's still, I think it's still emerging, Mike. Um, it's still a very closed niche sort of thing. Um, right. You know, it's definitely become predominantly in fitness. So, like, you know, people are using them at camps and you know, using them in the gym and stuff like that. But it's still not mainstream in the sense that you've got, you know, a couple hundred people rocking up and just doing a strict kettlebell class and stuff like that. So, right. um, you know, we have open lift classes and stuff like that, you know. So, you know, we're, we're trying to devise, like for me, I'm trying to just grow the sport and, and be a part of, you know, you know, keeping things real, you know. So with my, a lot of my programs, you know, with our boot camps and different programs, you know, we'll add kettlebells in there, but... You know, for us, we actually have our strict kettlebell classes and our open lift classes to teach people how to do it correctly and the education behind it and why it's so useful. And then when they're in the classes, they use them properly and know how to use them and understand what what the hell they're using. You know, it's right. not just a dumbbell with a handle on it, you know, so... Well, that, that's one of the biggest flaws I see with kettlebell classes, for example, here in town, is that people just show up and take the class. 
They've never yeah. picked up a kettlebell before. Right. And I go, that, that is a recipe for a disaster. If I ever saw one, you have 20 people in a room, and you're like, all right, let's bang out 20 cleans each side, and someone has never done it before, and they're banging up their wrist, and they're slamming up their shoulder, and one trainer is trying to go around and correct technique, and you can't do that right in the middle of the class. So it makes sense to me that you have to put people through some instruction first yeah. before they can be part of the class. But then, yeah. then, but then you have to ask yourself, how difficult is it to get that process going? So in other words, if you're trying to fill up these classes and you tell people, look, you can't take the class right now. You have to come on this day and I'll put you through this session to make sure your technique is dialed in. It may take a couple sessions and then we can get you into a class. Is that going to discourage someone from even looking at that? They're going to just yeah, look some, for something else? Sometimes you find they do, but yeah. like us, I just don't want to be one of those providers that just doesn't give a shit. Right, know? exactly. You know, and people usually see when you're trying to educate them and you ask the seer about, hey, you know, like, this is for your benefit, not right, mine. Right, you know? and right. And I think people do see that. But at the same time, you know, you're competing with old mate down road that's trying to just get him into his classes and just <laughs> right. pumping out Injuryville, you know. So, <laughs> um, you know, and that's the same with, I guess, you know. Because some people are kind of silly. They're like, I just want to work out. Okay, I don't need all this technique. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like, come on, You don't know what you're doing. It's not going to be a very good workout. It's not going to last long. And, hey, man, I just want to drive. I don't want to take driver's education. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm 13. I got keys. I can reach the pedal. Let's just go. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's one of the biggest problems that we're having with a lot of commercial gyms and, you right. know, obviously with functional training being so big, you know. You know, you've got, you know, guys um, that have never done Olympic lifting before and, you know, they're starting to, you know, teach lifting. We got kettlebells. You've got... Right. You know, all this all this stuff that are complex movements and, you know, it takes a lot of us, you know, I've been lifting since I was, you know, probably 16. Well, the, the Olympic lifting one is really scary because when you look at some of the technique on YouTube and going, okay, here's how you do a clean. And I'm not an Olympic lifting expert, but I've been around quite a few people that are, so I can, I can assess whether it's good technique or not. And some of it is just scary. In fact, what's really scary is when you watch some of these UFC behind-the-scenes episodes oh where they God. show the training regimens. Sometimes it's good stuff. Like George St. Pierre has a really good trainer, I think, who's actually one of Charles Poliquin's colleagues. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. But other times you're just going, oh, man. Like, I'll be texting sincere. Oh. I was like, did you see that? Did you see yeah, that? I'm, like, I'm, that? I'm, <laughs> I'm like, it's hard for the shit because I keep closing my eyes because I know something yeah. bad is about to happen. <laughs> and then there was one guy like uh, Sabina Scala told me about this one episode of The Ultimate Fighter where they're doing, they're doing sledgehammer strikes, tire strikes, and this guy hit his own foot. Because he didn't have the technique down, and then he's out of the show now. You know, the guy can't fight now because he hurt himself doing an exercise he shouldn't have been doing until he learned how to do it properly. I mean, how, how dumb are you going to feel <laughs> as a professional athlete? You lost your You're on the show. You're like, man, this could be my big break. And then in a training session, you're doing a sledgehammer strike, and you hit your own foot because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and now you're off. I mean, that could be a career-ending. I mean, oh, I doubt it's a career-ending injury, but it is an opportunity lost for sure. And how many opportunities are you going to get? And was that even I mean, necessary to do in the first place? Uh, so right, you, exactly. you got hurt doing a doing an exercise movement that really wasn't that necessary. Obviously, it's just, <laughs> it, it looks cool. Let's do it. We're going to flip tires and we're going to hit tires with sledgehammers. Okay, great. So I can see the guy got hurt from actually training in his actual skill, like let's say jujitsu or or a right, Muay Thai right. or something like that. But then when you got to go to like Dana, like. Okay, I'm out because I dropped a freaking sledgehammer on my foot. Like, you just lost the opportunity of a lifetime because you're freaking clumsy and someone taught you some crappy technique from an exercise that really didn't matter. It's so crazy, man. 
for or, or you know he signs the million dollar contract and then he does it and then he'd be real <laughs> yeah yeah oh dude. and you know it's one of the things that mike and i talk about when we see these things like um with the ultimate fighting and some of these guys are training and we see this bad kettlebell technique well, the technique usually being taught by someone has no idea what to do with kettlebells. They are not certified. They haven't gone through the process. And what, I always, what, what always worries me is that you're going to have one of these big-name guys, like in the MMA. Let's just take somebody that's like a champ. Let's take a George St. Pierre, for example. We're just using him as an example. So we're not saying anything about his coaching anything because he has great coaches. But let's just say he's training with some jackass that has no idea what to do with kettlebells. And the next thing you know, he hurts his back. And he's out of a big money-making fight. But what's usually going to happen, and athletes like that, they're going to say, oh, I don't train with kettlebells. First of all, I got hurt training with kettlebells, and I lost a big fight because of kettlebells. No, the kettlebell didn't do anything to you. That stupid ass of a coach is the reason why that happened. Don't blame the bell. It's an inanimate object. You can't blame the bell. But what will end up happening, other fighters will see that, and they'll think the same thing. Like, oh, well, I'm not training with kettlebells. Look what happened to GSP. And next thing you know, people looking at us kind of crazy, like, no, nah, I can't work with you because I don't work with those things anymore. So that's the only thing I really worry about when you have these unqualified people touching kettlebells and trying to get into these arenas and just like, I'm going to become a certified kettlebell MMA coach. What the fuck is that? Okay. <laughs> 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 what, what does that even mean, man? I mean, Half time, it's like an online course, right? It's, it's not even something that you're there in person. It's like, it's a, it's like I, don't, I don't even get that one. So you're yeah, going to be an online go. coach, like in Olympic lifting or something like that. What does that mean? You took a, you, you, you read a textbook, <laughs> you, know, you answered yeah. a questionnaire, and now, now you're qualified? Great. And, that, and that's, so that's the way this kind of making it on, you know, they're just pumping out, you know, these providers and, and the people are jumping on the course bandwagon and I've seen it a lot in Australia and, and, and some other places as well, you know, that, you know, we've got other providers that do an online boot camp training course. Like with me, my boot camp training course, it's two days of practice. These guys are here to train, they're here to learn how to do stuff, they've got to move. You know, no one wants a trainer that doesn't even, can't even do a demonstration or an exercise. Like, how are they supposed to teach a boot camp if they can't run? You know, they can't do a squat. They can't, you know, demonstrate simple mobility movements or how to move properly. Like, you know, you're running people around doing, you know, complex bodyweight movements and stuff like that. These guys can't even do it and they can't even train solid for two days but they're willing to go out and just smash their clients for an hour a few times a week. and stand there with a whistle on a clipboard and just scream at people, you know, like, like, come on, buddy, just doesn't work like that. So, you know, all my courses are very practical. Um, I always work with adult learning with most of my courses and stuff like that. So it's, you know, do, see, visual and read, you know, so, you know, the guys are doing their theory, but they also practice it, they preach it, they have to talk it, you know, and walk as well. So... You know, I just think that, you know, people are just worrying about making money too much in our industry. And I think, um, you know, our industry is in a fucking crisis, you know, like realistically, um, you know, it's not getting any better. All I've seen, like, people go, oh, you know, like there's so much education out there and stuff like that. But, fuck, man, the, the industry is just in trouble like, across the board. And I think it's good for us guys that are professionals and stuff like that. But, you know, we've got to be found. You know, we've got to be able to be seen why we're professionals and why we set ourselves apart from these other people. And, and that's why I just focus on what I do and not worry about competitors and stuff like that. Because I think that's the right strategy, and I, and I think you're right. And I think, I think you can spin that to your advantage, as you, as you just alluded to. And that's one thing I think about, too. When people talk to me, they go, man, so many nutrition supplement companies are total scams, and they just use fillers. They make garbage products. 
They go, that's a rough industry to be in. I go, those to me are all positives because if that means if I create great products, exceptional customer service, and do right by people, I'm going to stick out real fast and word of mouth is going to take off. And, 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 and same thing with the training. So whenever, if, if nine out of ten people suck, great. Be that one guy who doesn't suck or that one right. lady who does it and you're going to do just fine. And then, you know, because the guys that are like that, Mike, you know, they're, they're the ones that are going to be worth 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 the money soon, you know, like right. people go, you know, how do you charge what you charge? And it's like, well, I'm worth it. You can go pay, you know, you can go pay what I, what I can deliver or you can go and see one of these, you know, guys that have just done an eight-week course, never trained in their life, <laughs> probably going to torture you um, because they think loading up 400 kilos on the leg press and making you do like that. <laughs> and because you pulled up sore, you've got results. Right, right, right. Well, that's the other point, too, is 10 bucks a month, people go, that's a great deal. But is it a good deal if you don't get any results at all? So if you're paying 10 bucks a month for three years and you look exactly the same after those three years, was it a good deal still? It's like, well, what if you paid eight times as much, but you got incredible results? So I think sometimes, like, I always have this argument with my father, who's an economist, right? So he's always, always looking at value and so forth. So he goes, one restaurant is cheaper. He's like, oh, let's go to that restaurant. I go, yeah, but if it's a crappy meal, Dad, it's not a good deal, all right? <laughs> because if I pay three times as much and I enjoy the meal and it's actually healthy and I feel good, that's a better deal than, than paying three times less. But now I've got gut distress because I just ate a crappy meal, <laughs> you know? So sometimes, yeah. you know, we have, we have to remember what actually you is get a what good you pay deal. For. Yeah, exactly. You get what you, you know. pay for, man. And that comes from just, I guess, the way that society is and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people eat because of their wallet, you know, like Imagine rather it. than, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, want everything on, I want everything on the dollar menu. Okay, it's 20 items. <laughs> so well, that's what luck. people have to realize. It costs a buck. You know, how good is it going to be? If it costs how great a is buck, that burger to, if it costs a dollar? If you go to McDonald's, it costs a dollar. Now, when I was a kid, you know, back in the 80s, it cost $3 or so. How exactly. can it be three times cheaper now? You know? <laughs> like, what happened to that quarter pounder? How, how did that quarter pounder end up on the dollar menu? What what happened here? <laughs> I remember I remember the quarter pounder was like, I mean, if you got a quarter pounder, you were balling that week. If your mom said, okay, I, I, all right, this week, you know what? You did well in school. Your report card looks good. I'm going to buy you a quarter pounder. Dude, that was, a, like, that was a big thing. Now, any, you can buy like five quarter pounders for five bucks or something like that. Like, what the hell? Because, yeah, you give, like, you give on, a homeless man. guy five bucks, he's set for the week. Exactly. Know? He's like, I'm good. <laughs> like a, it's like a buffet in this bitch today, man. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I so, think sometimes people think about, I mean, it's, it's, it's smart to be price conscious, of course, but it, it, you take it to an extreme, you've you got you to you use your head, too, sometimes. You know, how good is it going to be? If that taco is fifty nine cents, you know <laughs> how good is that protein bar going to be? If it's thirty nine cents at the dollar store, I mean, if you're on. in Vegas and that hooker is only twenty five dollars, <laughs> you might want to keep walking. <laughs> you may want to keep walking, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we, we we saw a lot of twenty five dollar hookers at the Rio where Sincere was. <laughs> yeah, it was a big difference between those twenty five dollar hookers at the Rio and those those astronomical hookers at yeah, the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> Yeah, and look at the customer base. Okay. So. Yeah, now we know why we saw Shaq at the Cosmopolitan, not at the Oh, man. 
So, Kent, man, uh, I know, I know you press the time, man. And before you head out, and we got to get you back on because there's a lot of other things that we can definitely talk about here. And I think a lot of the information you provided, a lot of coaches right now need to hear this stuff, especially, especially after this, this month. It's January now. So, of course, a lot of these coaches, they had a good run this month because everybody is, you know, all the New, the New Year's resolutionaries were here. But now when we get to February and March, you're going to start seeing that drop-off, and that's when a lot of these guys and ladies are going to be like, okay, why am I doing this again? What happened to everyone? So I think we definitely have to get you back on here, man, as soon as possible and just talk, keep, and talk about some more aspects of just the business and shake some people up a little bit here so they can kind of get over this, this the stuff that they're accepting in this industry right now. And it's just funny, one last thing. When you guys are talking about just like how the big box gyms they have, you know, just there's only like so many people directing the course of this industry, whereas the fitness equipment, there's the supplement companies there, you know, the big box gyms and things like that. Now, isn't it funny that even in our industry, it's a reflection of our societies as well. You got this small group of people dictating the masses, and all the masses don't realize they even have the power to change what these little, this little small group of people are able to do to them. So crazy about that, man. It just, it just made me think when you guys brought that up. And I thought that was just odd. When you, when you walk into one of those gyms and there's only probably 1% of them actually getting results and they're probably the ones that are actually working with PTs mm-hmm. and everyone else is just left to their demise, Right. You know, what, what's right. the saying, you know, like as, you know, there's one thing that I always told myself with my business, I want to be a part of the cure, you know, not the cause, you know, so it's like, you know, <laughs> we're all part of this big cause, you know, we're here to get people fit, it's bullshit, we're just taking people's money and keeping bums on seats so we all can pay our mortgages and stuff like that, but are we actually fucking making a difference? People are still fat, people are still overweight, people are still unexercising what, you know, like 8, 9, 10% of the population do health and fitness, you know, like doesn't really show that, you know, the amount of education and the, the amount of shit that's thrown in our face. That that, that's the crazy health. disconnect is that there's more information now on nutrition, nutrition supplementation, training, health, you name it, than ever in the history of the human race. And yet still people are unhealthier on a much larger scale than ever. Like Sincere and I were talking about, there weren't any obese kids when I was in high school, late 80s, early 90s. And now it's <laughs> there's barely any thin schools, thin kids rather, in mm-hmm. in high school. So it's it, it's reached epidemic proportions. So there's definitely a disconnect, no doubt about it. You know, and that's and that's the thing. You know, how do we change that if if no one's going to change it? And you know, the people that are dictating it, they don't want it to change because they're the ones making all the money. And right, us right. guys that are forced out of the industry by commercial giants, pretty much squeezing us out by you know popping up these big foods and, you know, just slamming our industry and over, you know, just, yeah, it's just, you know, per, per people per population and stuff like that, you know, now there's nearly a gym on every corner, but, you know, now they're all fighting market share and, you know, price warring and, you know, but, you know, the only people that are really losing out is the providers by these good coaches and good training people that actually do give a shit, just can't survive in the industry because, you know, right. there's no place for us, so... You know, but at the end of the day, you know, one day I think it'll change. One day. <laughs> <laughs> one day. <laughs> well, I think, I think your attitude is healthy in the sense that you're focused on what you're doing. You can't worry about every variable out there. You can't worry about what the competition is doing. You can't worry about the low standards. What you can do is focus on setting high standards, putting out a, a very high-quality message, and having integrity with that. And then that's how you make your difference. And then if enough people start doing that, you know, that's when things start pulling in the right direction. So I think, I think that's the healthy way to look at it. 
A lot of trainers I talk to get really frustrated. They go, oh, this, look at all these people with crappy trainers with teaching crappy technique and so forth. They're doing so well. I go, yeah, I can understand why that's irritating, but what are you doing about it? Oh, yeah, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? You know, it's just funny. I just thought, you know, I just, we were talking about, the, you know, teaching kettlebells and helping people out with this. And when you look at some people who have bad technique as far as their coaching, you know, I had um, a CrossFit gym reach out to me recently and, I've always said this. I always hear it all the time. Someone will see something, they're like, oh, my God. You know, we start becoming these snobs in certain aspects. So if, right, you're, a ke- right. if you're in the kettlebell, you become a kettlebell snob. If you're a crossfit, you become a crossfit snob. If you're into Olympic lifting, you become an Olympic lifting snob. It's like, oh, my God. So then you have a lot of people in the kettlebell world who, when they see this, they, they see someone in crossfit, and their technique's not that great with kettlebells. They're like, oh, my God, look how they're lifting that bell. Well, you know, instead of bitching and complaining on Facebook and having that attaboy right. follow me attitude, <laughs> Why don't you reach out to that CrossFit box and offer your services to come in and teach those guys? Exactly. I mean, dude, let me tell you, the box, exactly, the box that I taught this course at, they were so appreciative. These guys, pretty much, their main focus is actually more about strongmen competing competitions and powerlifting competitions. And, you know, they have some of their students and some of their members who are competing for the CrossFit Games. But let's face it, at the end of the day, especially in the Games, you know, that kettlebell is going to pop up in the Games. And most times they don't know when it's going to happen. Well, the thing is, just a little bit of technique they learn just from the things that we've been taught and things that we teach can really make the difference in that one event and probably can help them get more points than the average CrossFit person that didn't do that. So better yet, it's just better. How about offer your services and help them with their technique? And guess what? While you're there, you might learn some things. I mean, I'm watching these guys doing strongman training, and pretty much the only real strongman competitor I've ever been around is Mark Phillips. Yeah, you know, and I don't live in Vegas, and that was just like for a weekend, but trust me, it intrigued me. But my thing is I'm learning from these guys, so guess what? If I ever even think about wanting to train like that seriously, not to compete, but to do that seriously, I can always go back to that gym because now we have a relationship. So right. we have a relationship with these guys now. And another thing, one thing about Mike and myself, whenever we do courses, a lot of times we do our courses at CrossFit gyms, which we know whenever people in the kettlebell world see them, like, why are you working with those guys? Why not? Okay, it's, well, where's your gym? You, are you offering your gym for us? Are you going to host us? Are you going to help us promote it? Because one yeah, thing about it, they have exactly. that culture and they'll promote it. If they bring someone like Mike or myself in, they're going all out to promote it amongst their members. How many people do that with their regular gyms? When they, or they call themselves kettlebell gyms, but then they want to bring you in and they're not actually promoting to their members and bringing their members there. You're doing all the work. So that's the part where I tell them, you know what, you shut the hell up. So this is, you know, you know, know your role and shut your mouth like The Rock says. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think some people have these kind of disrespectful attitudes as well. Like I've, I've talked to people who mentioned they'll be like, okay, I do this system, and then a bunch of people are like, oh, that stuff's a bunch of garbage. You don't know what you're doing. It's like, come on, man. You, you, can, like, really? you can't be more diplomatic than that. You know, try to try to at least put an olive branch out and say, look, uh, here's 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 how our system is different. Here's what we think the pros and cons are, rather than just putting someone in a defensive position immediately. I mean, I've I've taught with people in a CrossFit gym before. I taught with a guy in a CrossFit gym one time that. We're in a CrossFit gym, and he's talking about how he doesn't like CrossFit. I was like, dude, <laughs> I mean, talk about lack of diplomacy, man. Here's the guy who's hosting us and getting people in the room. And this guy's going on and on about how he thinks CrossFit, CrossFit technique sucks, that and so forth. And, yeah, there's bad CrossFit trainers. There's good ones, too. Just like there's bad exactly. kettlebell instructors, there's good exactly. ones, too. You know, there's good Olympic lifting people, bad ones. So it's, it's kind of silly to just make this sweeping generalization, but especially when you're actually in one, with that audience. You know, at the end of the day, the person that loses in these arguments is not the two jackasses who are going back and forth about who's got the better system. It's that person, that layman, that person that wants to live a healthier life. While you right. two are bitching, 
that's not the problem, whether your system is better than the other person. The, exactly. It's the other system that's happening outside that gym that's it's keeping people obese and hooked exactly. on a dollar not, menu not, that we were talking about. They don't get involved with all these silly arguments. You know, they, don't, they, don't, they don't get involved. They don't follow kettlebell wars on forums. Or, you know, most people, they have other things to do in their lives. So they just want to say, hey, look, am I going to feel better? Am I going to look better? Am I going to be healthier? Is it going to help me have more energy for my family, et cetera, and so forth? Exactly. You know, those, are, those are the questions they have, not, what, oh, okay, what are the 10 different school of thoughts in kettlebell training? <laughs> you know? Which way is the only way? <laughs> the only way is to get healthier. How about that? No, but you can't sell that. You don't want to sell it. You can't market that because you're too stupid. You're too caught up in all the BS. So you're not creative enough to sell being healthier. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Ken, where, where can people find more out, more information about your facilities and your boot camp programs and what you're, what you're into these days? Yep, um, so they can either follow me, just um, pretty much Bootcamps Australia, um, www.bootcampsaustralia.com, or um, they can follow my new, I've got just launched my new blog on my new website, so www.bootcampsinternational.com. Right, uh, you have gyms around the world too, right? South Africa, parts of Asia, etc. Um, yeah, so I've just reached out and um, uh, we've got South Africa and the UK. Um, I'm just in negotiations, hopefully, with um, someone in France. Um, but I'm always looking for, obviously, um, we're looking for you know, heads um, and like, really good providers to link up with to obviously become you know, country heads and then um, we drive from there. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time I'll fly into a main facility and train all the guys from there and then I'll leave them with the on-the-ground stuff. So we've also got business opportunities for people that are looking to become a you know, well, the next me in other countries. So, and then obviously I just give them an opportunity to drive my model and they can earn straight away passive income. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I've got sort of different streams and opportunities overseas. Um, but, yeah, so we're pushing for, obviously, New Zealand and um, hopefully we just created uh, the platform for the state. So hopefully we can start coming over there and fixing some of those shitty boot camps for you and uh, help some people um, make some money and um, just do things the right way. So... Um, yeah, so, but yeah, my YouTube, Facebook, um, just Google me, you can find me. <laughs> so I'm there somewhere. So either just Kent Pumper or um, uh, com. I'm there. Sounds good, buddy. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you back again. Thanks for all the information. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, we'll definitely get in touch to have you back. Thanks again. Yep. Thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon. And I'll see you when you're out here next, big fella. Yeah, sounds good. Look forward to it. Awesome, boys. I'll talk to you soon, huh? Okay, you take, take care. care. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So uh, that's going to wrap up our show, folks. And remember, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. My course is coming up in Australia. You can also use it to get 30% off Sincere's body weight training video. Make sure to check that out at newwarriortraining.com. Check out my supplements at mikemahler.com. All right, folks. So keep those ratings and reviews coming on iTunes and Stitcher. And other than that, We'll see each and every one of you on the next show. Thanks a lot, everybody. Take care. Take care.